several years ago, in 2019, Netflix released a television show starring the Japanese author Marie Kondo. The premise of the show was rather basic, if a bit uncommon. Essentially, the show was all about how you can bring greater joy into your life by decluttering your life of possessions, getting rid of things you've accumulated over the years, so that you can, as Marie Kondo liked to put it, tidy up. And one of the basic practices that Ms. Kondo taught in her show was how to make decisions about whether to keep or rid yourself of certain possessions. To do that, she said, all you have to do is ask yourself a simple question. Does it spark joy? Marie Kondo's popularity, it was a bit short-lived, but the initial interest in her books and show point to an important reality of our current culture. The reality that we live in a culture of consumerism and possessions, a world filled with things we own or would like to own, and yet at the same time, that all of our many possessions, they don't really make us happy. And whether or not it's what she had in mind, one of the implications of Marie Kondo's show is the truth that Richard Foster gets at in chapter six of his book, Celebration of Discipline, which is that many times our possessions own us as much as we own them. And instead of bringing us freedom and joy, often they bring us little more than anxiety and frustration. So what do we do about this? And how does what we buy and own relate to our relationship with God? And to answer those questions, Foster dedicates this chapter to looking at the discipline of simplicity. Uh, near the beginning of the chapter, he, he, he dedicates several pages to exploring some of the Bible's teaching about money and possessions, which is important because, as he says in the beginning of the, that section, often it is felt that our response to wealth is an individual matter. The Bible's teaching in this area is said to be strictly a matter of private interpretation. We try to believe that Jesus did not address himself to practical economic questions. Now, Foster doesn't attempt to survey the entirety of what the Bible says about wealth and possessions and our use of them, but he does say enough to demonstrate that this is no small or unimportant matter from the Bible's perspective, nor is it something that Jesus hesitated to address. Jesus actually spoke frequently and boldly about the danger of possessions and how the love of money can easily draw us from the love of God. In fact, Foster observes that Jesus speaks to the question of economics more than any other single social issue. And then he goes on to note that the crowds that Jesus addressed in his own day, they were often poor and lived relatively simple lives. And if Jesus thought that they needed to pay attention to the role that money and possessions played in their simple existence, how much more should we, who live in a much more affluent context, how much more should we take serious what Jesus has to say about this? And yet, for some reason, we often don't do that. The majority of Christians, Foster says, have never seriously wrestled with the problem of simplicity, conveniently ignoring Jesus' many words on the subject. 
Now, one thing that I find very interesting about Foster's discussion of this discipline is that he doesn't primarily focus on giving advice about how to avoid buying too many things or how to use your money. It's not that he doesn't have anything to say about it. He, he does actually give some very specific practical suggestions in the final section of the chapter. But what intrigues me is his emphasis on simplicity as an interior attitude, not just a matter of what we do. As he says near the beginning of his discussion, the Christian discipline of simplicity is an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. The lifestyle part is important. How we use our money and what we do with the things we own matters. But first and foremost, we must begin with the inward reality, with the matter of our hearts. But what does that mean? What is this inward reality of simplicity? I think that the simplest and most straightforward answer is the one Foster gives on page 86, right after he discusses what Jesus says in Matthew 6 about not being anxious about material possessions and seeking instead God's kingdom and righteousness. After quoting what Jesus has to say, Foster makes this observation. The central point for the discipline of simplicity is to seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of his kingdom first, and then everything necessary will come in its proper order. That's what Foster means when he talks about the inward reality of simplicity. It's why earlier in the chapter, he, he mentions the title of that book by Soren Kierkegaard, Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. It's why he draws attention to, to the warnings given in books like Proverbs and the Psalms about setting your heart on riches and all the, the New Testament denunciations of the love of money. It's why he draws attention to the fact that in the Ten Commandments, God specifically forbids us from wanting, coveting the things that belong to our neighbors. The reason that all of these warnings exist is because, because we so often and so easily get caught up in worrying about the things we own or spending our time and attention focused on what money can buy. And when we do that, then we stop seeking first God's kingdom. Then it's impossible for us to have purity of heart. It's impossible to will one thing when we're so distracted by all of those other things that we want. Well, maybe you might say, well, that sounds nice to seek first the kingdom of God, to will one thing, but what does it really mean? How can you tell whether that is your inward attitude? Well, a little later in the chapter, Foster provides some more clarity to what he means when he talks about the three inner attitudes that he says characterizes people who follow Jesus' advice and don't fret over money. These three attitudes that can be summarized by three words, gift, goodness, and generosity. First, gift. The first step to being freed from anxiety of possessions and adopting the inward attitude of simplicity, the first step is to treat everything you have as a gift, to remember that as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, to remember that there is nothing you have that you did not receive, that everything you possess, even your own life, it is all simply a gift from God. That's the first step. 
And the second step, he says, is to remember the goodness of God. Or as Foster puts it, to know that it is God's business and not ours to care for what we have. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 when he reminds his disciples of the goodness of God and how he cares for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and how because he is good, he will care for them too. And that's what we need to do if we don't want to have anxiety about things and if we don't want our possessions to dominate our lives. We have to remember that everything we have is a gift and remember that God is good and will care for us. And then third and finally, the inward reality of simplicity is characterized by an attitude of generosity. That's the, that's the natural overflow of seeing what we have as a gift and trusting in God's goodness. If we truly believe, Foster says, if we truly believe that God is who Jesus says he is, then we do not need to be afraid. We can share because we know that he will care for us. If someone is in need, we are free to help them. There's a reason that the Bible speaks so often about the danger of loving money and possessions. And there's a reason it so regularly commends generosity. Because God wants us not to be anxious or distracted, constantly pursuing what money can buy. Because God wants us to seek first his kingdom. Because he wants us to trust in his goodness to provide and to imitate his generosity in the way we use what he's given us. The discipline of simplicity has a direct bearing on our outward lifestyle, on the way we relate to money and things. But true simplicity isn't just a matter of reducing what you have or giving generously to others. True simplicity begins with the heart. It begins with a question that we all must ask of ourselves. Do you trust that God is good and will provide for your needs? And are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Mm-hmm.